Welcome to Immigrants Journeys. Imagine leaving your home country to settle in a foreign land. What would that feel like? How would you make the transition and how might that experience change you? I'm your host, Santiago. Being the son of immigrants presented me with some challenges, but also gave me incredible perspective. In this podcast, people from all over the world share their stories and opinions related to their immigrant journeys. Listen to find out what challenges they overcame and how they made the transition. To learn more about this podcast, visit www.immigrantsjourneys.fm. In this episode, Garin tells her story of growing up in Argentina as a child of two immigrant parents, one from Holland and one from Sweden. In her early 20s, she explores her parents' cultural roots in search of her own cultural identity. She returns to Argentina once the political turmoil settles and builds a successful career in the entertainment industry in Buenos Aires. Her career takes a heavy toll on her health, however. A chain of events unfolds, and an opportunity presents itself that includes a path to healing, a spiritual family, and a move halfway across the world. Garin starts a new career in the United States, one that lasts 25 years and continues to evolve as a healing Tao practitioner. This episode contains snippets in Spanish. I'm interested to hear your reaction to multilingual content and how I might improve this podcast. Feel free to reach out with your comments and feedback. I start this episode with a snippet from Zamba de Vargas, performed by Atahualpa Yupanqui. Before my conversation with Karin, my mind immediately went to tango when I thought of Argentine music. I learned from Karin that there are many folkloric rhythms so I include this sample, which I think captures that Argentine folkloric sound. Now, let's listen to Karin's immigrant journey. Hola, Karin. Bienvenida. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. When I ask Karin what song comes to her mind when she thinks of Argentine music, I receive more than just a song title. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto, me ha dado un lucero que cuando lo canto, así yo distingo dicha de quebranto. Los dos materiales que forman mi canto, el canto de ustedes, que es mi propio canto. <laughs> the song is called Gracias a la Vida, Thank You Life, by Mercedes Sosa. The song is about thanking life and what is given me, and that my life and your lives are connected but we have one song, we have one earth. It's about being thankful about life and what has come through our journey and that we haven't done this alone. Since we were on the topic of music, I was curious what other types of Argentine music there might be. Well, there's a huge spectrum, okay? People mostly know about the tango from Buenos Aires, but that's a city music. The country, it's huge, and it has so many different rhythms that I embrace. As always, 
there are songs and musics that bring you back to your childhood that you grew up with. Samba, Chacarera, which are folklore music. And then Cumbia, it's another type of rhythm. That one we share with all Latin America. Although Karin grew up in Argentina, her heritage is half a world away. My story starts with another nostalgia of my parents being immigrants to Argentina. My dad's from Sweden. My mom is from Holland. So I still have family in Sweden and in Holland. I always was called La Sueca, the Swedish in Argentina. They never like embraced me as being Argentine. And I always felt that wasn't fair because I was born there. Okay. So then I went to Europe. I went and lived in Sweden to see if I'm really Swedish. And I'm not. I can look like a Swedish girl, but I was fading. I was really like a flower with no water, a plant with no water. But I left because there was a dictatorship. And, and I came back to Argentina when the democracy came back. Then I said, I have to embrace all of my parts. I am a global citizen. I can't be from one because I am not from one. I, I am from all these places. I am Argentine. I'm Swedish. I am Dutch. And I have now a little bit of American. And that's who I am. We have the opportunity to travel and move. And nothing is set in stone. And depending on the stages of your life is where you're going to be. I tell that to my niece who's now in Berlin, you know, and says, you don't have to make the choice for the rest of your life. Right now, where is it that you can thrive better? Sometimes we have the possibility to go back. Other times we can't go back. There's been displacement. There's no more your land. Wars and other things that we know are happening. There's always going to be that nostalgia of that land. Did you learn Swedish or Dutch? Yes. In Sweden, there was a program for immigrants so that you would go like to work and you would learn Swedish. In three months, you learned Swedish so that you could be able to join the workforce on whatever you, your gifts or talents or your, you had studied for. And if not, you could train in whatever was there. I was... 20, 21, I learned it to be able to go to college. But then when I decided I wanted to be an actor, Swedish wasn't my first language, so it was very difficult. And democracy had come to Argentina. So with my aunt in Sweden, the strategy was go back, study the four years, get your degree, and you come back and you can work. Never came back. Never went back. Coming back to Argentina allowed Karin to establish herself and her career. By the age of 37, Karin was at her serious crossroads in her life. She had a successful career as the assistant to the director of the Buenos Aires Opera House. Her dynamic job, however, was taking a toll on her health. In Argentina, I was working at the Opera House, like the Metropolitan, the Met here. I was 
the right hand of the director of the opera house, which has the opera, the ballet, the philharmonica. So they share the same stage. Mm. There, it's run by the city. And so there is a political uh, thing here about who becomes the director. And it has unions. So it's not just that there's art, there's arts and politics, which makes it even more stressful. Because of political reasons, they remove the director. And so with them, I was with no more job. I was very happy working in what I liked. But by that time, I was very stressed out from just excess work. By the end of that year, I had bleeding gums. I was bleeding and my doctors just said, it's just stressed. So I said, if I don't take care of myself, nobody's going to do it. And I had found about Tai Chi and Qigong. And I was transitioning into wanting to heal myself. I found out about this group that was doing Tai Chi, and I joined them. And that led me, then when my teacher went back to China, orphan as a teacher. And I found the books of Manta Chia, who was in the United States. And so the combination was health, divorce, you know, some space for myself, and the connection that I had with a senior instructor of the Healing Tao in the United States that I had invited to the Argentina to come and teach that offered the opportunity for me to go upstate New York, close to Woodstock, to an exchange where I would just clean bathrooms and rooms, do a little administration, and be the whole summer taking workshops. I was looking at that time for some healing, more taking care of myself. And there were several factors that got all together to make that change into like a sabbatical year of wanting to take care of myself. So I found that jobless, with some money that came in, and uh, needing to heal, I was just going to take this time off, which was going to be for the summer. Right before I am to do this, the director from the Opera House now runs the theaters of the city, which is 12 theaters, and calls me to work with him again. I was in a conflict there whether to continue the job or to do this sabbatical three months into the unknown. I was honest to tell him I have this trip. And he said to me, just do it. The doors are open when you come back. And I never came back. I stayed in the United States. It was a life changing. So a place that I never thought about coming to live, the United States, ended up uh, a home for spiritual development. I asked Karin to paraphrase in Spanish. Argentina es un país hermoso, pero con muchas dificultades económicas todo el tiempo. 
Entonces, el trabajo se hace como muy cuesta arriba y eso afecta siempre a la salud. Y mi salud estaba comprometida cuando yo estaba trabajando en el, la ópera, era la asistente al director y llegó un fin de año donde mi salud estaba yo con encías sangrando, sangrando y los médicos dijeron ese estrés. Y entonces hubo una combinación de situaciones, me había divorciado, había logrado vender entonces nuestra casa, había encontrado un maestro en Estados Unidos con el cual podía tener un contacto para seguir mis prácticas y un ofrecimiento a venir a Estados Unidos a trabajar durante ese verano y mientras tanto estudiar. Y como estaba justo sin trabajo en ese momento y puse toda mi energía en la salud, fue un salto, un riesgo. Lo hago. Necesito hacer esto. Y justo cuando tomé esa decisión, el director me vuelve a llamar para trabajar en los teatros de Buenos Aires y tuve la posibilidad de ser honesta conmigo mismo y decirle, mira, me salió este viaje un viaje en el cual yo no ganaba plata, nada, era una cuestión de, mía de, de búsqueda. Y él me dijo, nunca se le dice que no a un viaje. Anda y cuando vuelvas las puertas están abiertas. Y nunca volví. Hice un cambio de vida radical. Encontré cerca de Woodstock un Estados Unidos espiritual, generoso, eh, donde pude sanar y formarme como instructora. Despite Argentina being a beautiful country, the stress of her job, divorce, and loss of her home, joined with a contact in the United States and offered a work study, prompted Garim to take a leap of faith and pursue a radical change. She recounts what it was like during the initial transition from Argentina to upstate New York. At the beginning, it was very magical because I was in Woodstock area. And for me, Woodstock was like that huge concert, that being touching things that I never thought I was going to do. And upstate New York, around Woodstock, there's tons of ashrams and Tibetan and Indian. So my immersion into the spiritual practices was like an oasis. So that summer, It was really very transformational and very healing. And I felt very much protected in this family of the healing Tao. And when I decided I want to stay, of course, I had to go in and out of the country, go out to Canada and come in because I was with a tourist visa. Uh, the cook opened her house to me. So I was very blessed of having some support from these Americans because I was with no Latinos. I spoke English. I, I could communicate, but my vocabulary was limited. One of the things is that I found that people want to communicate. They're going to make the effort to help you. When I didn't understand a word, what it meant, I asked. What is that word? It was a, a learning process of adding more words to my vocabulary. As I kept teaching, I've incorporated more and more. Never be afraid of asking. Because 
They don't think you're less because you don't know that word, and they're happy to share it in a different sentence. I was curious how Cutting adapted to her life in upstate New York. How did she get through all the cultural differences? I was totally immersed into the American world. That made me have to learn a lot of clues of how you socialize, which are very different from my culture of hugging and kissing and everything spontaneous and you drop by any time to schedule just to see each other, you know, call, see when we can make a date to see each other. That was a whole shock that I had to go through. But as I said, I knew English. So that made it easier for me to be able to fit in. Having gone through so much, I asked Karin to give some advice. What are some key lessons or observations that she has picked up through her transition and transformation? The world is in chaos, and it's very difficult to find a moment that you can feel that things are going to be okay. So find your inner peace and to live simple with who are around you. It's very important. That's the only oasis that we can really build up is to take care of the ones we love that are close on a daily basis. We go through life as a community. We are social beings. If we lose our connection to communicate and to be with others, that's where we're going to find all our answers is if we're together. Isolation is the worst. Everything is uncertain, but trust that we can thrive and not live in fear. And thrive Darin did on a personal journey that took her from Argentina to Sweden, Denmark, back to Argentina, and eventually to the U.S. Serendipity, as she put it, lined up certain events and people in her life that prompted a radical change to address the turmoil she was experiencing. I was curious how her cultural background or even just knowing other languages, may have shaped her perspective. What I see is when you travel and you come with other backgrounds, it enriches your experience and you have something to offer because you have other points of view. And you can share with others seeing things with a different eyes. Because as we are here, we observe things that for them are natural and they don't pay attention to it. And for us that come from other countries and we have to learn the language, insert into a way of living, you can see the differences and what you bring that can help to, you know, being so cold. Americans are like much more closed And the heartwarming that we Latinos have helps them, you know, drop their shield sometimes to be able to get more in touch with their feelings. I'll just ask in Spanish. ¿Crees que teniendo otra cultura o sabiendo otro idioma cambia en la manera que tú ves las cosas? Sí, eh, eh, definitivamente, porque cuando nosotros viajamos y estamos en distintos países con otras culturas, traemos la posibilidad de una visión distinta 
porque venimos de afuera. Entonces podemos verlos a ellos en aquellas cosas en las cuales no se pueden ver y poder reflejarlo. Y es una cultura la americana como muy, un poco más fría que la latina. Y entonces nosotros aportamos esa posibilidad de conectarnos con las emociones, de poder abrir ese corazón y expresarnos en lo que nos pasa de manera mucho más fácil que es para los americanos conectarse con, con ese, esas emociones y poder expresarlas. After 25 years since Karen's moved to the United States, a lot has changed in her life. I asked her what occupies her time today. What occupies my time today? My two children. <laughs> um, I have twins, but they're 10 years old now. I was an old mom. I had them when I was 50. So I really wanted to enjoy them, take time to raise them, and experience that bonding of mother-child and how it keeps opening your heart to levels that you never thought they were possible. So they are my priority. And when I'm not doing that, when they're in school, <laughs> I am a healer. My journey right now as I'm turning, I already turned 60, is to be able to bring it into written material for the next generations. There's this thing about passing down whatever your journey has been in whatever you decided was your job. Coming to the United States, I changed from being an actor and a theater producer to becoming a healing Tao practitioner. Now, after 25 years of that, another cycle is ending. From teaching and treating, I'm hoping to move into the world of writing down my findings to bring them to the new generation. You mentioned something when I first proposed this to you about maybe not wanting to stay within the United States. Can you tell me a little bit more about what your thinking is with respect to either staying or, or moving on? There's a book by Joseph Campbell called The Journey of the Hero. And it is your life. That's what the hero is, is just living your life fully. And the journey ends, needs to end, that you return back to your village to tell the story. And I feel that urge to go back to my land. That's where I really belong. This has been a journey of self-development, raising my consciousness, learning other cultures, other modalities of working, but there's a calling back to the land, back to the village, and to the children to share my journey as a full cycle. Um, we not always leave because we want. There's different reasons why we leave a country. It could be political, it could be economical, But there's a, they're forcing you in a way. They push you out. 
but it's not a real desire to have left your country. You could have been curious. Then either you fully embrace the, the new culture that you landed or you are not able to. I haven't been able to embrace the American culture. I thrive in it, but I'm from Argentina. And I don't want to lose that. I don't want to change that. It's part of who I am. Now there's this deep calling that, okay, what I learned, I have to share it. And I want to share it with my people. I already did 25 years here. So it's not that I haven't shared it here. <laughs> this concept of the hero's journey and his return got me thinking about where my village is. Being the son of immigrant parents, I grew up with stories, music, food, and culture from their homeland, which instilled a sense of nostalgia in me for a place that I had never even visited. I asked Karin how she thought moving back to Argentina might impact her kids. Of course, with kids it's difficult. I've been going back and forth. I decided to have them in Argentina. Seven months and a half pregnant, I went back to Argentina. I needed the nest. I needed the hood. I wasn't getting that here. They were born there. We stayed there for the first three years of their life, me coming with them back and forth. Then problems with green cards. I had to stay out there with them for two years. Now they're here. And my son is already longing for the village. He, he thinks he's Argentine. He wants to be in the Argentine soccer team. You know, World Cup Messi. We are at this moment the most Argentine of the Argentines. So you can move the kids before they're 12. After that, I think it's harder. I asked Karin in Spanish for some tips for folks who are learning English. Una de las cosas que me di cuenta cuando uno está en una conversación es que la gente se quiere comunicar. Entonces hay que tener menos miedo a preguntar si uno no entiende la palabra. Eh, porque van a tener con mucha bondad decir de qué, qué es eso. Ponerlo, si me lo podrías explicar cómo es en, otra, en otro contexto. Entonces se vuelve una posibilidad de crecer el perder el miedo a preguntar. ¿Qué significa eso? ¿Qué significa eso otro? En la misma conversación. Y eso va a ir a, abriendo nuestro vocabulario cada vez ser más, más rico eh, y no quedarnos con el, el inglés básico que nos limita y nos aísla y no nos podemos insertar. En la medida que nosotros no podamos hablar como ellos, no nos podemos insertar. Entonces es importante eh, comunicarse, ponerlo como el objetivo es yo quiero hacerme entender y quiero que el otro se, me entienda. Entonces preguntar otra vez, ¿entendiste lo que dije? ¿Qué fue lo que dije? Porque eso me lo dicen mucho. Me acabas de decir eso, ¿lo entendí? Mira, te repito lo que me acabas de decir. ¿Es esto lo que vos me querías decir? Sí. Entonces... Cuando uno pone ese énfasis en la misión de la comunicación y de la expresión, perder el miedo a, a preguntar. Sometimes we wish we could go back in time and interact with our younger selves and pass along some advice. So I asked Karin what that advice would be. Right now, I am very close to 
the girl that was 11 years old. And that was the girl, very innocent, very brave, very curious. And uh, what I want to tell her is, you know, you have a great heart. You're going to be able to do it. And be more aware of the clues. You're too gullible. As a woman, we go through very big traumas of abuse, um, molestations, that we are not ready for that. And so look better at what's in front of you. Find those cues and clues to be a little bit more safe. Karin's languages and current profession as a healing Tao practitioner take her to many places. While traveling, she connects with those aspects from her background. I am teaching a lot in Belgium and Holland. The Flemish, um, I have it in my background, and I'm really happy to go and teach there. That's a part of this thing about what I was saying to be global. I embrace that that's right. part of me. When I get to Holland, I buy the cheese. I buy all the Dutch things that I grew up with, the cookies. When I go and visit Sweden, I eat or I buy for the Christmas holidays, you know, those flavors that has to do with my immigrant upbringing in Argentina. Karin is in the process of another transition. After 25 years of teaching and treating people through the Healing Tao, she wants to memorialize her knowledge by capturing it so she can pass it on to others. That's my wish. Will I be, ah. will I be able to be a good writer? In what language will I write? I don't know how to say it in English. Nobleza obliga. It's a responsibility. When you have something, and this is very Taoist too, you cannot die without passing your knowledge to the next generation. Okay, you cannot die until you do that. Okay, and I believe in that, that this has to be passed down to a new generation. So books are the one that stay in time. I can also do it with videos and recordings and audios. There's now different platforms that can be done. But I think that the written text is still, you know, king. That's what's in the future. Nothing is from one day to another. And this is also very Taoist. There's the transition times. From the moment you have a vision until it actually fulfills. In the meantime, part of the old still is with you as the new starts to grow. You never really knew when it all died for the new to begin. There's a transition time. And I find myself at that time right now. So I'm taking advantage as I teach to use that as material for what I'm going to write. I might have five more years probably of traveling and teaching. 
and maybe that's the material then edit that into videos classes and then that make it into transcripts into the book so what i'm moving really more right now in the present moment is from treatments to just teaching i do some body work that it's called chine tang which is working with the organs and the emotions and finding your alignment about the parasympathetic and sympathetic system to bring somebody from a state of stress to a place of feeling safe and be able to heal that's what these treatments do i teach how to do them and i teach practices that are self healing and some practices that are to help heal others there's a lot of practices of staying healthy self care being the first with so much travel and having been away from her homeland for so long i asked garin what she missed about argentina and how she copes in spanish garin describes some of the foods that she misses some of which she makes at home definitivamente eh, las empanadas eh, pero siempre uno encuentre alguna bodega algún supermercado que tiene algunos productos argentinos para poder hacerlo, pero sí, hay algunos productos que siempre extraño y cuando vuelvo a la Argentina es como que voy corriendo al almacén a buscar esas cosas, pero me traigo el mate, la yerba mate para mí es fundamental, es un ritual. Eh, Estados Unidos uno consigue lo que quiere. Si tiene el dinero uno puede pagar y, y lo consigue, así que siempre uno se rebusca para tener eso lo que llamamos las comidas que nos confortan porque definitivamente la tierra tira los sabores y los olores son parte de lo, de nuestro ser así que nada chorizo choripanes asados eh, locros <ríe> son algunas de las cosas Karina also talks about large gatherings on the weekends and sharing food conversation and connections with others Y el comer en compañía, el comer en, en grandes cantidades de personas, cocinar para muchos, eso a veces es extraño. Yo vengo de una familia numerosa y que siempre había mucha gente los fines de semana, así que siempre éramos como 20 en la casa un fin de semana. Así que esto de cocinar para muchos, compartir lo que hay, es otra de las cosas que, que para mí es algo muy nuestro de querer compartir y dar de comer a quien llega y en esa conversación no se establece un gran vínculo de de conexión de amistad muy grande. You mentioned mate. Could you explain a little bit about how you use mate? You mentioned you use it in a ritualistic way and I'm not familiar with that. Well, I can't get uh, up if I don't have my mate. It's like that's how I start my day. It's a very earthy kind of tea. You put it in a gourd and you use a straw to drink it. So it's very strong like an espresso, the first sips. And you put in there your medicine. That means that you add to the base of the yerba mate um, different herbs 
I'm going to say them in Spanish because some of them I don't know, but it would be like peppermint, burrito, poleo. So different herbs that you can get, you'll add to your mate that are the ones that you're needing for the day. And some uh, clementine peels or orange peels or lemon peels. So you sit, you sit and you drink. It's a moment of a, a meditation of connecting to the earth, connecting to the flavors that are connecting you to your country, to your land. So it's a very strong moment of reconnection with Mother Earth for me and my homeland. Karin explains mate in Spanish. El mate en la Argentina o en la zona de, <coughs> perdón, la zona de Uruguay, sur de Brasil, Paraguay, Argentina, eh, se toma con bombilla en un, puede ser una calabaza, puede ser de madera, puede ser cerámica, y se vierte adentro el mate, la yerba mate, y se le pone yuyos, hierbas medicinales. Entonces pasa a ser una bebida medicinal y una bebida de, re, de conexión. Para mí el mate es lo que me vuelve a traer al, a la tierra. La conexión con la tierra es un sabor muy, muy con gusto a tierra. Al, al poner agua. Y como tiene esto de ir de a poquito tomándolo y uno lo toma durante el día, es como que uno se toma esos momentos. Y va poniéndole los yuyos que necesita, o sea, cáscara de mandarina, poleo, burrito, peperina, menta. Uno tiene una conexión muy grande eh, con el mate como medicinal. Es, es combinado, entonces depende de lo que uno necesita, le va poniendo. Y eso es también una sabiduría. In Spanish, Karin summarizes her practice of chi song. Chi meaning energy, ne meaning internal, and song meaning movement. This field of study focuses on the relationships between the organs and the emotions as a way of freeing stress in order to allow for self-healing. Chi song, chi significa energía, ne significa interna, itzang es el movimiento. Entonces, son trabajos de sesiones, de masajes, donde trabajamos con los órganos y sus emociones, eh, tratando de buscar armonizar eh, este cuerpo emocional y también los niveles de estrés que hacen que el cuerpo, si no logra relajarse y estar en un estado donde se siente seguro, no hay sanación. Entonces, lo primero es trabajar sobre sacar los niveles de estrés para poder relajarnos y las clases son para dar sesiones o para enseñar a hacer estas prácticas. Y no solo es una práctica hacia el otro, sino que tiene que ver también con un trabajo propio de mantenimiento eh, personal donde uno tiene que tener el cuidado propio antes de poder ayudar a otro. Entonces, dentro de las prácticas taoístas tenemos esto de que es el autocuidado. Karen, how can folks get a hold of you if they're interested in learning about your practice? Oh, I have a website. It's called Nate San Chikung, and it's spelled N-E-I-T-S-A-N-G-Q-I-G-O-N-G dot com. Nate San Chikung. Tengo una página web. 
que se llama Nei Tsang Chikung, N-E-I-T-S-A-N-G, Q-I-G-O-N-G.com, Nei Tsang Chikung. Y ahí me pueden encontrar. Y en Facebook también con Karin Sorbic, mi nombre. As I ended my conversation with Karin, I reflected upon the influence that my immigrant parents had on me. I saw that influence through a new lens, one that makes room for all aspects. Every place I've lived, I've left a small piece behind and have taken something to incorporate into me. I too would like to thank life for all the experiences it has provided. I'm your host, Santiago. I'll close this episode with an excerpt from Gracias a la Vida by Mercedes Sosa. This song and style, along with Zamba de Vargas from the episode intro, now live in my head along with tango when I think of Argentine music. To learn more about this podcast, visit www.immigrantsjourneys.fm. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado Si yo distingo dicha de quebranto los dos materiales que forman mi canto y el canto de ustedes que es el mío.